Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast for cozy introverts. We're your hosts, Megan Myers. And Steffi Predmore. This week's episode, Get Out and Vote. Hello, hello. Hello. What's new? Uh, well... Not a whole lot right now. Kind of, uh, <laughs> just, you know, taking a chill, relaxing, mm-hmm. kicking your, back. Your your cat had to get an enema today, which is sort of an <laughs> allegory for 2020, if I ever heard one. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Poor guy. He seems to be feeling better, though, so at I least mean, you would, too. If you I were mean, all backed up and couldn't poop. Yes, but I don't know if I would ever go as far to to, that, to make that, it that, not that kind of measure. Yes. <laughs> well, poor guy. He had no choice. I you, know. The choice was made for him. Yeah, you you said that. I was like, yeah, that's pretty much an allegory for 2020, really. The vet tech said that, um, like, afterward, or I guess, I don't know, they, they were, like, taking pictures for the records and stuff. And he was giving her like the dirtiest looks. <laughs> I was, like hate you. <laughs> going, you know, he was like doing his thing, like while it was happening and stuff. And he's like, "Excuse me, oh man, so. you just did this to me, and now you're taking pictures. You are the rudest person ever." Pretty much. Just <laughs> as long as he doesn't wake me up super early again. He woke up yesterday morning. He woke up at like three thirty. This morning, he woke up at 4.30. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, I am definitely not getting out of this bed and feeding you. I don't <laughs> care. You are. I'm going to ignore you as long as it takes for you to be quiet and go back to sleep. Go away. It's not it, time. It, it did work for a couple hours, so. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Cats are so delightful. I should also... I feel like we should also mention that Rune is approximately 100 years old, so... There's some, like, added senility going on. Yes. He's 17. He has diabetes. He is, he's he got cataracts in his eyes. He's, he's, he's on heart medication now. No, blood pressure, not heart medication. Blood pressure. He's a, he's a hot mess. Poor guy. I'm going to have to, like, start getting a pill thing for him. <laughs> Honestly, you probably are. Yeah. He gets... <laughs> In the morning, he gets his insulin and his blood pressure and his cosequin for his joints. <laughs> and then in the evening, he gets insulin and his uh, calm the fuck down medicine. <laughs> oh. Honestly, we can't laugh too much, though, because, I mean, give us like 40 years and this will be us. So I know, but, you know, I'll just be I, we already do the CBD. So like. By the time we're old, we'll need. We'll probably need something even harder. Who knows? Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, either way, that was my joy of the day. I guess is dealing with that. <laughs> oh man, you know, I feel like honestly, it this the the theme connects pretty well to today's topic. Really? I mean. <laughs> I guess in a way, yeah. <sighs> so I wanted to talk this week about voting because, hello, there's a big election coming up, but we're not going to talk about our personal politics because you guys should know what we're all about in that arena by now. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to cover why it is so darn important to vote. Yeah, um, because here's the thing. Voting statistics, they like suck. They really do. Um, Because even though we think about people like, okay, probably the majority of voters vote in presidential elections versus voting in like local elections, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Even still, it's not really that many people that vote in presidential elections. Yeah. And you think about it too, because you, I'm sure you're, 
in my case, for sure, it's like, well, all of my friends vote and I know all of my family votes. So who are these people who aren't voting? But it's like a huge proportion of the population. Mm -hmm. So I actually needed to get some statistics on this, of course. And it turns out that in the 2016 election, there was only 56% of the voting age population that actually voted. That is disheartening. It's really crazy, especially when you hear about other countries that have incredibly high voter turnout rates. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm looking here at, like, Belgium, and it's something like, I don't know, almost 90% of their percentage percentage of voting age population yeah australia actually has a little bit over 90 percent they're always like brought up as one of the um highest outcomes for their for their elections and i mean i don't know what it's like to live in australia but the fact that people are that invested in voting right would make me think that things are a little bit better over there. Also, they have assault rifle bans, so, you know. I mean, there is that. Yeah, I mean, meanwhile, the U.S. is sitting here. I'm looking at a graph, and we're sitting, like, in the bottom quarter or so of the graph. Um, Countries like Slovenia, Luxembourg, Latvia, like, those are... Those are uh, countries that have like lower voter turnout in terms of the age, the voting age, um, percentage of the voting age population. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um, it's not it's not a great look for us. Yeah, and actually, when I'm looking at this too, actually, it says that there is a law in Australia that makes voting compulsory in Australia and Belgium, and so that's why the numbers are so high there. Interesting. Um, but it's weird that with all of the years that we've had these efforts to get people to get out and vote, that we have never done any, like, concentrated, not necessarily law, but, like, some sort of policy that, like, makes people more interested in voting. Mm -hmm. It's weird because there's so many issues that are always on the ballot, whether it's through a referendum or with the actual person that is running that affect everyone on a day-to-day basis and still people are not going out and voting. Right. And it's not, you know, getting registered is not hard. So, you know, it's, there's, I mean, there are definitely, there are absolutely certain barriers to voting. Um, But at the end of the day, a lot of I think a lot of the times it's less about the barriers to voting for a lot of people and more mm-hmm. about being lazy if I'm just being really honest well there's also the general apathy where if you especially if you've been a voter for more than one election mm-hmm. um, and you, you know say that you voted for for someone and that person didn't win and then it makes you feel like your vote doesn't matter mm-hmm. even though it does even if your person loses it still matters mm-hmm. um those turnout numbers are really important in terms of finding out what people are interested in and what they care about so that in the future those people can come back again and run right. again they're talking about this year is going to have a record turnout but 2008 had a record turnout, and that record meant 58%. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, so it might be better, but we still have a long way to go. Right. Yeah, we really do. And so let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about why we vote, particularly when it comes to smaller, like, local elections, because like I said... There are many voters, I think many people who are registered to vote, 
who only vote in the big elections, mm-hmm. uh, potentially not even like the presidential primaries, but just the presidential election every four years. Um, but there are elections that happen every year, sometimes multiple times a year, depending on where you live and what the ballot is. Um, so it's really, and I, and I have to be honest, I didn't really start voting in our local elections until we moved to Bloomington. Um, prior to that, you know, I was registered to vote, but I really only voted in like the big elections. And I think a lot of it was because I was living in a much more like urban slash suburban area where I didn't feel as plugged into the community. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't necessarily feel the effects of local lawmakers, local policy, all of that to the same extent that I do, that I felt like I did when I moved to Bloomington. Um, I also, well, no, I started voting in the local elections before the 2016 presidential election. I was going to say, I think, although I do think that after the 2016 election, a lot of people suddenly kind of started to wake up to the difference that voting on a a local or a state level can make. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, even more than with national elections, when you vote in your local elections like you were voting for change literally in your backyard yeah there are always going to be issues on in the local election that are directly going to affect you whether it's like the school bond bill or construction down the street or mm-hmm. how the police department is going to uh, use your taxes there's so many things that are voted on on a local level yeah. especially depending on the size of your community sometimes it's even down to like are we gonna get a street light yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So like, you know, if you care about what's going on, and then again, I think, I think sometimes if you're a homeowner, sometimes it hits a little differently Mm -hmm. um, than if you're a renter. I think that might also have been a little bit of a difference in in why I felt suddenly like once we moved and uh, we were owning our home that the local election was something that impacted me a little bit more. But whether you're a homeowner, whether you're a renter, like being involved in your local community is important and you know a lot of times you can be voting for people who literally live down the block from you like or around the corner from you they could literally be your neighbors um that you're that you're supporting or um you know anything like that so it just it's a much more personal thing and when you're voting in local elections and when you're voting in state elections all of those things can have a ripple effect all the way on up. Yeah, and the fact that someone might be living next door to you that is on the city council or something like that, you could literally talk to them yeah. about your problems with the city and they could take that to the city council. Like, right. It could be your own little like Pawnee City Forum. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what I always think of. I always think of Parks and Rec and I think of Leslie Nope and Pawnee and like it could be someone that you have barbecues with regularly or, you know, just it hang out with at the neighborhood block party or out whatever it is. It could be someone that you really know well. And so and if it is someone that you know well and they're running for city council, for example, or hell, even for something like mayor, you have the opportunity to, like, you know that person. You you know what kind of person they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like when when people are running on a, on a national level, and they're like, oh, but he's a really, like, good person. How do you know that? Like, okay, like, 15 people know what he's like in real life. The rest of us don't but on a local level like most of a lot of the people voting have the potential to actually know what this person is like on a personal level Mm -hmm. are they the type of person that is going to keep their promises are they the type of person that is going to make a promise and then do something else that benefits them like you you have a little bit of a inside view into some of that to some extent so 
just don't write off local elections. They can be really, really important. And so even if you're feeling very apathetic about what might be happening on a presidential level or even um, on a on a congressional level, look at your local stuff. Yeah. So, Steffi, how do you decide who to vote for? Well, I, I don't pay attention to the ads. That's for fucking <laughs> sure. I mean, it's so <laughs> real and touch my soul. Oh, my God. Like, just do... I I like want to know, do these ads ever work? They do. I mean, do you remember? I guess you might be too young. I can't, I always forget that you're like a whole election, like two two presidential election cycles younger than me. I am. It's um, true. <laughs> uh, the when John McCain uh, and John Kerry were running against each other. Oh, uh huh. Or wait, no, no, that's that's right. not right. When I don't know what it was. It was John Kerry was involved, and oh, was it uh, Bush Kerry? Yeah, but then it was like, but it was McCain in the primary. I think that's what it was. Oh, probably the there was like this whole Swift Boat campaign. Do you oh, remember, I don't remember that? That no, it was it was some ad that came out, and it w- went insane like now we have twitter where everything goes crazy like this was just on tv (laughs) and it like blew up all over the it was just madness so so i guess sometimes they do there is precedent (laughs) there is precedent for them to work but i personally i don't pay attention to ads um i i actually have a really hard time with ads because they just get so nasty and i hate that um this time of year, I just hate watching live TV because it's ad after ad after oh, ad. Oh, so terrible. Especially it's if you so live ter- in, a like, a battleground state. It's oh, just God. the worst. It's so weird. So I always get – I get candidate overwhelm, mm-hmm. uh, particularly, like, not for, you know, the final elections usually, but when you're – Looking at like the primaries, I have a tendency to get candidate overwhelmed because I feel like there are so many people and there's so many options and they're all saying all of these things. Um, And so I find it really helpful when sometimes local newspapers put these out, sometimes larger news publications put them out, Um, but there will be like guides to the candidates. Yeah. And it'll you know sort of like bullet point summarize and lay out where they stand on certain policies and i find summaries like that to be really helpful so i can kind of side by side look at the candidates and see where they stand on issues that are important to me um because it it gives me a place to start because otherwise i'm like ah yeah, our paper does the same thing. They send out a survey to all of the campaigns. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, like, I don't know, five questions that they could choose from to answer. And then they they don't print all of the answers for each candidate. But mm-hmm. they kind of pick, like, one or two of the best ones, I guess. Yeah. And then they compile all of that into, like, a really huge section, you know, depending on which election cycle it is. Yeah. Um. And put that in the paper. And I always find that really helpful, too. Yeah. I, the other thing I find it helpful is that the last couple of elections, there have been, like, websites that have, like, you can go in and you sort of answer this questionnaire about how you feel about certain topics. And then it tells you which candidates align sort of the best with what you tend to vote towards um and so again like the i don't think that these should be cut and dry like okay i'm gonna take a quiz to find out who to vote for um (laughs) if it was that easy (laughs) this is not a cosmo quiz guys but it can give you a starting place like if you're like just not sure and you have a little bit of voter overwhelm, mm-hmm. sometimes using resources like that can put you on on the path to figuring out like, okay, this is interesting. I want to look more into 
you know, these candidates and then look a little bit deeper. Um, So Megan, when we're looking deeper at candidates, where should we look? So I sometimes I actually look at like the the candidates website themselves um, Mm -hmm. because they usually lay out at least what the candidates platform is. They lay out their history, like a little bit of a resume kind of thing. That's a good jumping off point for doing research. Yes. Um, you do have to deal with like then being served programmatic ads until the end of time, but (laughs) (laughs) you can do it incognito. Uh, (laughs) uh, so that's a good place to start. Um, I also really like the league of women voters website. They usually put out a guide, um, around election time to kind of break down the candidates. Uh, there's also like your local chapters, depending on what party you're in, that they'll do guides the same way too, where they'll be like this, you know, this candidate does this, blah, blah, blah. Especially during the primaries where, like you said, there are usually a lot of people in the field. And since you're voting generally for someone already in your party, mm-hmm. it's really, it is, it does get really confusing because you're like, well, they're in my party. So I agree. Um, right. so that's weird. Uh, but then also you should research the party platforms. Side note that I actually really hate the idea of the two-party system. Yes. It, that's it's a whole totally broken. other rabbit trail. <laughs> right. It's totally broken and it doesn't work and it's awful. But yes. it's what we have. So that's what it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so if you don't know what a platform is, the platform is the values that get voted on during the primary season and will be carried forward as action items that each party will try to put forth into society, like climate change or the economy or uh, education reform, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so those are usually on your primary ballot. They're always worded really weirdly because they're like... They want you to say yes, usually, to them. Mm-hmm. They're, very, they're written in, like, if you've ever had to do a, a phone survey mm-hmm. where it's very clear how they want you to answer. Sure. They're like, Tom, Tommy so-and-so is a socialist. How do you think you feel about that? And you're like, well, that sounds scary. Right. It's like, it's <laughs> like being like, this man loves puppies and and this other guy likes to kick puppy. <laughs> exactly. Vote? Yeah, it's questions <laughs> like that. But it, I mean, it's it's basically a, the description of what they're planning to do. Like you know, they plan to redu- reduce coal factories or something like that. Um, so there's all in the primary ballot, and so you can sh- you can say yes or no during that. And then they take all of those from the primaries and they bring them to the local convention. And then the state convention and then the national convention where they vote on them again. Right. <laughs> each each time. And then they finally decide on like the final pla- final platform, even though it doesn't usually change that much from election to election because the parties are what they are. Right. Um, but they usually get updated a little bit based on what's going on in the world, um, any like general social outcry that's happening um there were some really weird ones that i saw on their republican one in texas this year that i was just really confused by when i read them but also they made sense that they would put them on there but um said usually a lot of stuff doesn't actually happen with them but that is usually what they're like this is what i stand for kind of Mm -hmm. thing megan you have you have a fun fact about yourself would you like to share it I would. You laughed at me earlier, but it was really cool and fun. So there. Um, So speaking of the primaries, when it was the primaries in 2008, uh, um, it was our first presidential election here when we lived in Texas. And we found out that they do a caucusing like after the polls close on election day mm-hmm. and i was like caucusing hmm and i was kind of like sort of involved not involved but like had been listening to the politics situation at that time and everything and i was like 
well, that sounds interesting. I'll do it. And I'll like, can you describe, like, can you explain what that means? So it's really confusing. (laughs) (laughs) So no, I I will just, I will, I will, I will describe my experience. Um, so 2008, obviously the primary, I'm a Democrat. So the caucus was, you were caucusing for either Hillary or Obama. Mm -hmm. And so they needed a, Basically, you go to each precinct, and you need a whole bunch of people to sign up to be part of the caucus. And But they only need a certain number of people, so they kind of have to choose who is going to represent the, your precinct. Mm-hmm. And so, um, somehow, I got chosen. There were tons of people there, and there was one guy who was like, I have the precinct rules on caucus day. And then there was someone else arguing with them. And it was like a whole thing. <laughs> um, and it lasted hours and hours. <laughs> but in the end, I got selected to go from our precincts with like five other people maybe. and Or ten. I don't know how many it was. And then we got to go to the Travis County uh, convention. Mm-hmm. Um which was also fun uh, and weird because I had my baby. Yes. I just brought him in my sling. Uh, (laughs) This is why we baby wear. That's right. Um, And then I ended up, so from from that one, out of the people that you brought, you only get to select like three people to go to the state. Mm -hmm. So you have like two and then an alternate and I got to be the alternate for the state convention but Ooh. but because it was an alternate that only meant i went if the other the one. person didn't go and they both went so i didn't get to actually go to the state convention but it was all very exciting i feel like everyone in the room like has that energy yeah like when you go to a conference and you're like hyped up about seeing Brene brown or something it was right. like the whole energy for the whole day was like that because everyone is very invested in the future and right. what's coming down down the line and that year especially was like a crazy year <laughs> right um so i feel like it was very exciting yeah I, especially I, like like being a delegate of like sort of being a delegate for obama was like ah <laughs> yeah that's really cool to be clear i made fun of her because in our notes document she was like side note i did this exciting exclamation point (laughs) that's what i was making fun of her for more for exciting exclamation point not not how nerdy it is to caucus i mean it is pretty nerdy but also it's very you so it makes sense i would say that if you if you if you are at all interested in politics or anything like that and you your primaries where you live, they do this open caucusing system, I would totally recommend it because I felt like you learn a lot about the way elections work. Right. Um, And I just thought it was, like, super fascinating. I was on mailing lists till the end of time, but... um, (laughs) It's fine. You're moving. They can't find you anymore. Um, Well, and I think that actually brings up a really good point that I think that when we think of like oh i'm really interested in politics like that means that you want to like run for office someday ew no and that's not that's not the case like you can be really interested in your local politics you could go to city council meetings you could be interested in learning more about how the election works and you know do this open caucusing if that's something that they do where you live like there's it's more than just like oh I'm gonna run for mayor and then I'm gonna be governor and then I'm gonna be president like there's lots of ways that you can be involved in politics on a number of levels without ever running yeah and I think politics is like a dirty word Mm mm-hmm and yes. so I feel dirty politics or like a government you're like oh uh-huh but it's I, I don't know how else to explain it but it's more about like you know it's about your community yes it's about being invested in where you live and the people that you live with and that you share the planet with yes that's really it yes yeah yeah for me it's about it is it's definitely like about caring about what happens to me and my family 
but also my loved ones. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are, there are things that I consider to be important issues that I, that I take into consideration when I'm looking at, you know, what candidate to vote for that don't affect me directly, but I know that they direct, they directly affect somebody that I love a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I consider those issues, um, even though it's not necessarily going to make a difference for me and my direct life, personally, if that makes sense. It does. Absolutely. We believe that children are the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. So, okay, let's talk about registering to vote. Um, because there's still there is still time to register to vote. There is still time to register to vote. Um, you're going to have to check it out state by state because like all things in this delightful nation, everything differs between the states. Um, yeah. <laughs> so every state is going to be a little bit different with their registration deadlines and, you know, how you register and all of that stuff. And you're encountering that with the move, right? Yeah. So I, we had thought we were going to stay here long enough that I would be able to vote in Texas, but that's not the case. Um, and so... In order to make sure that I can definitely vote in the election, um, I've been looking at all the things to register to vote in Illinois, and it is crazy confusing because there's a deadline, but you have to, like, I, there's a deadline and it's in October, but you have to have lived in the state for a month before you register, so I don't qualify for that. But then there's a grace period (laughs) that lasts from that deadline until voting day but then also you can register on voting day (laughs) and then you're like why was there a deadline i don't understand i don't it doesn't make any sense um so there basically the deadlines are for like different methods of registering so like there's an online registration yeah and then during the grace period it has to be in person and then on voting day you have to vote at the registrar's office or something like that it's a lot to try and keep up with with Illinois, but it's. I was even, gonna say, and this is very specific to Illinois. Like, not all very, states are this complicated because we're special here. It is definitely not that complicated. When I registered to vote in Minnesota, I showed up on election day. The dude next to me vouched for me as a person who lived in the precinct, and then I was registered. <laughs> Bless. So. Uh, Definitely is not always that hard. Yeah, and some of these states on here, it's like, here's the deadline. That's literally it. (laughs) Like, do it by this date. So, yeah, definitely check it out. And if you are confused, you should go ahead and just call your local election office because they can help you. They're a real person and they can actually tell you, like, here's what to do. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are looking to vote by mail Mm -hmm. right now because of coronavirus and various concerns. Not all the states are expanding their vote by mail. There's always the absentee ballot situation, but not everyone qualifies for absentee Mm -hmm. ballot. It's usually reserved for the elderly or um, disabled people. Mm -hmm. But there are a few states that actually already do 100% vote by mail, and they have for a few years. That's interesting. Like, they don't even have polling places, or... Um, I'm not, they might have, I, I'm not sure about the, the full research on it, where if they do still have, like, some in-person polling sure, places, but, but it sounds like they all. just automatically mail out ballots to That's all of the registered voters. Yeah, here, so here in Illinois, they didn't, they're not automatically mailing our ballots, but they automatically mailed a ballot request to all the registered voters. So we well, already, nice. so yeah, so we already got that, um... And then we both just had to say, yes, I want you to send me my ballot by mail. Um, So it's not like I would have preferred them just to send us our ballot by mail. Um, But they did at least make it really easy for us as registered voters here in Illinois to request a mail-in ballot um, because they just sent it to us. I believe that they do it by request because they want to make sure that whoever they're sending it to is... um 
you know, a registered voter. Probably. Uh, you know, because there's, you know, people die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Or the mail doesn't get forwarded or things like that. So they want to yeah. make sure it's actually going to the right person. Yeah. Yeah. Prob- that's probably true. Yeah. Um, although it would have been, truthfully, I think, pretty easy to... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. It, it was It was not... It was a really easy thing to do. So it, check it out for your state is the point. Yes. <laughs> but if you do vote by mail, make sure that you mail it... Like, if you can, mail it the day after you get it. Oh, yeah. Um, Don't You want to make sure it. that you post our, postmark it far in advance because, as we know... Especially right now. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Postal Service, and you don't want to risk having your ballot not being counted if they decide it's come too late. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, usually, I vote early. Megan, I, I think you were the same. Early. I love yes. voting early. It's the best because there's so no good. lines. Well, the funny thing is, is that every time we have gone to vote early, there has been a line. Oh, that's funny. Uh, well, maybe it's the line isn't as long. I usually go, I will usually go the day of for, you know, like when it's the little lo- the local elections or whatever, it's down the street from my house and I just pop in and it takes like 13 seconds. And I went on, you know, the day for the primaries and all that stuff. But for the big elections, uh, the presidential elections, I always go early. And they it's usually set up, like, there's lots of options for voting early. It's not like, oh, you have to go this one day. Like, there's lots of time for you to go vote early because... Um, it, it just it's it's so much easier than waiting forever yeah so we in I, I don't know if it's all i think it must be all of texas i don't know if it's all of texas or just travis county but you can if you're voting early you can vote in any voting location mm-hmm. yes. and all the the voting early locations are usually you know much more plentiful like the grocery store you can yeah. go they're doing one at the courtyard marriott this time like yeah. there are voting locations everywhere during early voting and so you can go to any of those that are convenient to you and in texas it's normally uh i think a two-week period but they extended it by another week this year so you have even more time to early vote yeah uh, but it's it's amazing and convenient, and um, if you can vote early, I highly highly recommend it. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it because going on first of all going on election day, it could be really busy. Um, it, some states have made election day a holiday, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your employer is going to recognize it. Um, for most full-time employers, you are required to get two hours off to go vote. Um, they're not allowed to ding you for like needing to go vote. But you know, depending on the line, depending on how long it takes you to get there, like all of that stuff, um, you could be really eating up that two hours. So just if you can, go early. Yeah. And the other thing, if you are voting on the day of, an important thing to remember is that if you are, if it's if it's toward the end of the day, if you are in line at the time that the polls close, don't walk away. You are 100% still allowed to vote if you are in line when the polls technically close. They are required to have everybody who's in line go through the polling system. That's an excellent note. So, <laughs> it always happens in... Because we have we have a pretty good voter turnout in Travis County, and especially at certain polling places. It's There's always long lines at certain locations, especially you know by UT mm-hmm. um, and some other locations. There's always people there after voting hours and i think the year that i did the primary uh caucus the caucus is supposed to start right after the polls close but because the lines were so long for people to vote in the primary that i think the polls didn't close for like 
how like two and a half like like a click close at seven i think and then i think we didn't actually start the caucusing until like nine or nine thirty. Oh wow because they had to get everyone through the line wow so well that's an excellent fact yeah <laughs> stay where you are use your voice count your vote yes this is i mean that's really what it's about so um mm-hmm. you know and i know that i know that people have a really hard time i think especially with presidential elections because of the electoral college and i think there's only five people in the universe that actually fully understand how it, that functions and megan is probably one of them she's probably researched it <laughs> enough and she actually understands it i am not i still it still it confuses me a little I bit i understand that it's stupid I understand that it is stupid. That is what I understand. And so I know it's really hard to feel like, okay, I live in Texas and I'm a Democrat and Texas is going to vote Republican or vice versa, maybe for Illinois or whatever. But that doesn't mean that we can just sit on our butts and not vote. That's right. As my parents always said, if you don't vote, you can't complain. That's honestly sometimes the reason that gets me out to vote. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can be very, like, feeling very meh about any given candidate selection. But I'm like, well, if I don't vote, I don't get to bitch about it later. That's right. So it's your future that is in your hands. It is. It really is your future that's in your hands. Also, like, okay, let's go back to the beginning of the episode when we were talking about how few people actually of voting age that actually go vote. You know, 56% of the voting age population voted in the 2016 presidential election. Imagine if more people had gone to vote. Imagine if even, like, 70 or 75 percent that's an incredible number i would fall out of my chair if we got that many for real (laughs) like that's the kind of like that is the kind of increase that Mm -hmm. actually could move the needle that's right so yes you are one person you are one vote but it only like it it takes it takes every person bringing their one vote Exactly. So just go do it. That's right. It's your civic duty. Go do it. You know? Get get, a, get yourself a coffee beforehand. Yeah, make it like a thing. Chat with your neighbors. It's fun. Yeah, go get yourself like, you know, a pastry afterwards or I don't know, whatever. They give you free stickers. Come they on, give you guys. a... Alex still, <laughs> Alex still has his I voted sticker from the primary on his hat. <laughs> That's right. He stuck it on the bill of his hat. It's still there from like six months ago. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, if you need to like make it be a thing, like I'm going to go reward myself by going to get like a coffee. <laughs> go do it. Whatever. Whatever it takes, just go vote. That's Please right. And if you vote. have already voted, if you vote early and you can give other people rides so that they can go yeah. vote, because I know a lot of times polling places are not in places that people can get to with public transportation. Be a helper. Yes, absolutely. And I know a lot of people that are volunteering to be um, poll workers. Yeah, my dad's a poll worker. Yeah. So I've got a couple friends that are doing it this year. So that's still an option. You can still sign up to do that. So, um, and obviously that's not something that everyone is going to necessarily be able to do if you've got, you know, little tiny babies at home or whatever. But if you're able, like we need to make sure this election in particular, that voting is as accessible as possible. That's and that right. means having as many polling places open as possible. And that means that they need the extra workers to be able to have that happen. Exactly. So definitely con- definitely consider that because that could make a difference. So That's right. all, again, ways that you can be involved and you can feel like you're making a difference besides just voting in your community. Hooray. Hooray. (laughs) So, all right. What's bringing us joy this week, Megan? Well, um, 
I am drinking a cherry limeade, and that is Love making it. me pretty happy. I have Ooh, to say. that sounds delicious. I have not had one in a really long time. Where's it from? <laughs> uh, Sonic. Oh, nice. Have you not had a, ch- a, a cherry limeade from Sonic before? I have not. I've wow. like, I don't think I've ever eaten at Sonic. We have uh, them. Their food's fine, but they really like they're they really excel at the drink factor. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that when you get here, our fams are gonna have to go get some Sonic so that the kids can have some burgers and we can have some cherry limeades. I mean the kids don't have to come. <laughs> I think it's just Touché. like I mean it's just like I think it's basically just like a sprite with cherry syrup and then some lime syrup. Or lime juice, maybe? It sounds delicious. It's pretty good. That sounds delicious. It's a little sweet, but it's a soda, so... It sounds like that would be delicious if you brought it home and spiked it. Oh, yeah. Mmm. There are recipes for that. Um, But the other thing that I was actually going to talk about... (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't actually your joy? (laughs) Uh, It is making me really happy right now. But uh, slightly semi-related. It's in the food spectrum, I guess. Okay. I made Rice Krispie Treats the other day. Oh, man. It has and been I so never, long. I never make Rice Krispie Treats because they annoy me because they make everything sticky. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just think they're annoying. And the ones that I usually, like, have are too much. Like, if I if someone else makes them or if I get it from, like, a bakery or whatever it's like a ridiculous rice crispy treat and yes. it's just t- sugar yes but since i'm trying to use the pantry we have all these rice krispies that my child claimed he was gonna eat for breakfast that he did <laughs> not and then for some reason we had a bag and a half of marshmallows in the pantry and Perfect. then and i had like a, a quarter bag of mini chocolate chips so you made so. some chocolate yeah, I made some like chocolate treats. swirl rice krispie treats, and Girl. it was they're really good. And I was like, dang, no wonder people like rice krispie treats. <laughs> it has been so long since I have had or made rice krispie treats, but I have very, very clear memories of like probably some of my first memories in the kitchen of making rice krispie treats with my mom. So I my mom actually couldn't make Rice Krispie treats. I don't know why. I've got questions, but it never worked out. Um, but my best friend's mom, they would make Rice Krispie treats and they would uh, melt chocolate chips over the top, like a like oh, not uh-huh. like frosting, but like a you know I guess like frosting, but then it hardens like a poor man's chips. ganache. Yes, and it was so good. Love that. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm sure I'll be set on Rice Krispie treats for like the next five years again because that's probably the last time I made them was five years ago. But. <laughs> that's fine. By the time you're ready to make them again, my child will be old enough to like actually help make them, and you know that'll be that's like right. that. It'll be a that'll be the fun thing. We'll go to Aunt Megan's house and get her kitchen sticky instead of Mom's <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you looking out for me. Thanks. You know <laughs> what friends are for. <laughs> Well, what is bringing you joy? So I listen to... So my friends have a podcast. It is called Trauma-Informed Everything. Uh, One of the hosts is Andy, who is our guest on our latest Enneagram episode. And they are both um, getting their master's in social work and um, have done a lot of reading and Uh, stuff about trauma and their own trauma therapy and all that stuff. And they are leading a book club for going through the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which is sort of the, like the Bible on trauma. And it's a book that I've been intending to read for a while now because it's sort of a recommended adoptive parent read um, because all adopted children have trauma, even if you adopted them from birth. So it's been on my reading list, but I knew it was going to be kind of heavy and didn't really want to go through it by myself. And then my friend started this book club. And so that started last week, I think. 
And I went and I got myself some highlighters and I got myself some post-it flags and I've been like very much channeling my old like nerdy school self of like, okay, I've got my homework. I need to read my chapters and get my highlighter out and like getting super nerdy with it. But honestly, I kind of love it. So that's fun and you know you're learning stuff i mean it's a it's definitely like a heavy book and i am sort of just getting to the point where i can articulate that some of the things that i have experienced in my own life in the last few years are trauma um like it took me a while to be like i was like oh well i wasn't like a soldier in war like that's not trauma like so I'm finally able to sort of articulate that for myself. So it's helping me process some of my own trauma. It's helping me like be better equipped to help Eden process hers as she gets older. And so like that stuff is not, it's not like a light and fluffy, like we're not reading Sex in the City over here, but um, like I still feel very like, oh, I'm learning things. And I'm, this is why I, this is why I, loved school I don't wish to go back and get my master's because I don't want to actually do papers and tests and shit but (laughs) I do very much enjoy learning and that kind of thing so just been like okay I got my assignment and my little (laughs) and my little like group I can chat with about it it's a whole thing that's cool yeah I'm a nerd (laughs) I like that you guys are like taking it in chunks I'm assuming yeah so we had like an inch we had like a zoom call as an intro to kind of talk through it and then Andy and Allison um they put together a workbook and so there's actually for each chapter there's sort of a summary so if you get too bogged down you can kind of read through the summary of it there's additional resources that they list out that you can look at for each chapter they have like sort of like journal prompt type things for each one for you to kind of think about if you want and then we will um get together on zoom every couple weeks to kind of digest the pieces together and then they also have they made like a facebook group so if anyone wants to like get in there and like chat about stuff as you're reading it so it's really nice there's like lots of different ways that they've set it up to for you to be able to kind of process the book and talk about it with them or talk about it with the group um which is you know a very trauma-informed way of doing things um but yeah it's really it's really interesting so far so i'm liking it cool so anyway also i recommend that um podcast for anyone that wants to learn more about trauma because i think that that is a big piece of mental health that has not always been uh looked at very closely so absolutely yeah so anyway that's that's what i'm doing well speaking of health yes next week we're going to revisit a topic that we explored earlier this year healthcare advocacy so we know that a lot has changed with covid in all aspects of life but particularly with healthcare. so meet us back here next week we're gonna have aaron house back to talk about what we can expect in this new normal until then leave us a review on apple podcasts and listen to us on your favorite platform you can also follow us on social media at irsi podcast or send us an email at i'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from our listeners talk to you soon <laughs>